0: You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on real estate investing. Join us on our entrepreneurial voyage through the world of flipping houses, managing rental property, and building a real estate empire.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. I am John Errico here with Ryan Goldfarb as always. We have a great episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking about our uh, impressions, experience, thoughts on investing in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And boy, just just saying Atlantic City, the words just roll off my tongue. I mean, it's just such an exciting place in my opinion.
0: It evokes strong feelings of Boardwalk Empire.
1: It does. That's a show I've never seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a show that I've only recently watched a few episodes of.
1: But we're going to go into a little bit how we got started in Atlantic City, what we're doing in Atlantic City right now, why we like investing there, the future of Atlantic City, the projects that we have coming up. So yeah, let's just dive right in. I, mean, I, I guess I can start by talking about how I got involved in Atlantic City because, uh, Ryan, unless I'm wrong, I think that you got involved kind of after I did on the basis of my um my interest there. But I
0: had only ever been to Atlantic City for entertainment and gambling purposes. I did see it referenced a number of times on bigger pockets back in the day. Oh really. Um generally well, followed by avoid. questions. Yeah. <laughs> generally generally followed by strong advocacy against investing there. Um yeah. but yeah, John, let's let's start with some of your kind of original well, yeah, your sure. origin story with Atlantic City.
1: Prior to investing in Atlantic City, I had been to Atlantic City a total of one time in my entire life. I grew up in Florida, so uh, Atlantic City was not a place that I, you know, would would normally have gone. I've been to Las Vegas many more times before starting investing in Atlantic City. I had a friend who was also living in Union City, which is where I got started in uh, Hudson County, New Jersey. We had met on Bigger Pockets, which um, is a great real estate networking site uh, that we talk about a lot on this podcast, but. We had had coffee a few times and we had started a meetup together focusing on investing in northern new jersey he had gone to college in pennsylvania and had a lot of memories and experiences of going to atlantic city himself uh, as a college student just like for fun and for partying and it was almost the sort of thing where i think he would go you know many weekends of the year just to kind of um, go to the beach in the summer or have fun and he, uh, therefore got involved, I think just because he wanted to have a house for himself to hang out with in Atlantic city with his, uh, his brother and some of his friends. So he bought a place in Atlantic city. I think this is probably in 20, you know, fourteen, twenty fifteen, 2015, something like that, maybe slightly after originally as an investment, like a beach house for him. But he quickly, you know, realized, I think in the course of buying it, that, um, when he wasn't there, he could rent it out as a short-term rental on Airbnb.
0: Was he familiar with Airbnb prior to that?
1: I think so, yeah. I think uh, I think he and I had actually talked about it in some context because I had told him that I was doing that in Union City. So uh, it must have been after 2014. It might have been like 2015, 2016 or something like that. So I went down with him. He bought that property. I never had visited that. But I went down with him just, just to the general area. Just to kind of look at it because he was so excited about it, and um, we ended up buying. He and I ended up buying a place in Ventnor, which is the city just uh, bordering Atlantic City on the same island as Atlantic City, mostly. And um, the idea being that uh, that Ventnor was a little bit of a safer bet than Atlantic City because Ventnor was a little bit more wealthy and safer, and just had a different population of people than Atlantic much, City does. Much
0: better reputationally. Like better
1: it. reputation, right? So we bought a place. Pretty close to the border of Atlantic City, but uh, originally the idea was to do vacation rentals, like uh, full summer rentals in one unit and then do a long-term tenant in the other unit. We very quickly pivoted to doing Airbnb in one of the, that other unit because his project in Atlantic City was doing so well. When we saw how well both were doing, we started thinking, oh, we should buy another one. So that was the third property for them, the second property for me in the area, and that was uh, a pure Airbnb property. We bought that actually at a foreclosure auction, sheriff sale. This is in 2017, I believe, or really 2018. And that was really the genesis of how I got interested in it. I really, I, I just started looking at the numbers. You know, I looked at how much I had invested in the property and um, what it was generating and thought, you know, wow, this is really lucrative.
0: What were your first impressions of Atlantic City when you when you went down there, I, I guess, to look at his property, but also just as kind of a fresh face to the area?
1: I think that, I didn't think it was particularly dangerous. That's a reputation that Atlantic City has, but that was never my impression of it. I think I thought that it was uh, depopulated. There just wasn't a lot of stuff there. There wasn't <laughs> a lot of density there. Like, and, and, and depopulated the, it is. Yeah, and there are still large swaths of Atlantic City where there's nothing. But a lot of the houses that I was looking at were just kind of like, there's just nothing around them. And the previous time I went to Atlantic City, I think I was it was maybe like two thousand and eleven or something like that, twenty ten something, akin to that. So it had been, you know, six or seven years since I'd been there. And that time I had only gone to the really only gone to the casinos that were not on the boardwalk. I think I'd gone for maybe like, you know, one night or something, part of one night on the boardwalk. And I remember it being just kind of like crappy and like just nothing really happening and just, you know, whatever. And so to be entirely frank, the next time that I went to casinos in Atlantic City was with you and with Ben um, <laughs> when we... Walked uh,
0: through re- our Ocean Casino, Ocean formerly Rebel. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that, that I think, is the la- also the last time I've been to this. I mean, I, I've been to... I've never set foot in the majority of the casinos in Atlantic City. And I can't... I don't think I really gambled when i was was there in twenty you know eleven, and i we didn't gamble in the one hour that we were at the casinos when we were there a few years ago so my impression was you know is really looking at it from just a real estate perspective and thinking like well real estate is so cheap and i can make so much money through short-term rentals like i should just see if there are any more opportunities like that knowing nothing about the gem the demography of the city the anything about the city at all. And
0: did you have any sense of like the history of Atlantic City? Or... No,
1: very vaguely. I mean, I, I I kind of knew that it was like a name, you know, I think I knew that the Monopoly board was based in Atlantic City. That's kind of the extent of my knowledge. I'd also That's never the been...
0: classic Atlantic City fun fact.
1: Yeah. I'd, yeah, it is. Uh, it's actually mind blowing. I'd actually never been to the Jersey shore. I mean, ever like I, uh, because I didn't grow up in New Jersey and I wasn't living in New Jersey. You sir were missing
0: out. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, uh, GTL, I mean, I didn't, (laughs) I didn't do any of those things. (laughs) I mean, did laundry, but, uh, So yeah, I'd never really been to the Jersey. I didn't, so I didn't have any frame of reference. I wasn't like, oh, this is so much worse than like other place on Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to any other place in the Jersey Shore, so.
0: I came at it from kind of the opposite perspective because I, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up going to the Jersey Shore, albeit different parts of the Jersey Shore. And my frame of reference for Atlantic City, having been there numerous times was, I would say not positive, but once I started to go down there and entertain looking at it through a different lens, my perspective i think pretty quickly changed because i saw i saw it for what it was absent the stigma against it and i think that that's that's a big part of understanding the appeal of atlantic city
1: absolutely in 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 the years since that time since buying this place you know now four ish years ago my knowledge of atlantic city and also my understanding of atlantic city has changed a lot so i think you know we can segue into what has happened since then i guess um or you know why, how we got involved you and i together and, and what uh, our thoughts are on the city so you know atlantic city if you're not from new jersey is i guess you could describe it as the las vegas of the east i think that's a really bizarre comparison but i, I think people do use that comparison to describe it yeah it's a very um, easy
0: comparison because i think atlantic city Probably has the highest concentration of casinos outside of Las Vegas. I would have uh, to imagine, certainly at least for like along the eastern seaboard. Right,
1: I have to imagine that that's true. Unlike Las Vegas, it's not in the middle of a desert though. It's on a beach, um, and actually a very nice beach. There is a very nice boardwalk that's been rebuilt. That uh, about
0: four miles worth of boardwalk.
1: Yeah, it goes around. It it, it basically uh, goes around the entire city to the extent that it's on the ocean-facing side of the of the city. Atlantic City has so you know it was. Founded, I I believe in the 19th century, um, as a vacation spot for wealthy people to, uh, go to the Jersey shore, I think primarily from Philadelphia and New York. It's a long history of in the 19th century and the 20th century of very wealthy affluent resorts and places to be, um, Atlantic city was also, as we referenced, the boardwalk empire was also kind of wrapped up into the hustle and bustle and, uh, organized crime and whatever else you want to call it at the beginning of the 20th century around prohibition around gaming, gambling, all that sort of stuff. I believe that the first casinos were built in Atlantic City. I want to say after World War II, I believe.
0: I want to say in the sixties, maybe the seventies. Yeah. In the sixties. Um, um, prior, prior to that, I think a lot of the appeal of Atlantic City was that not only did it have beaches, but it had kind of a thriving nightlife scene. It was a place you could I mean, you know, maybe you were going to a a burlesque show or some sort of you know lower brow form of entertainment, but they certainly had their share of more high end i don't know how to describe the light, nightlife because I'm not all that well versed on entertainment of the of the early nineteen nineteen hundreds but certainly like comedy acts and
1: yeah cultural events exactly. things to do, yeah, yeah, I think that the city took a very drastic turn with the arrival of casinos in the sixties and seventies. And that, that was also around when, you know, Las Vegas also began to uh, really become what Las Vegas is today with casinos. That changed the city a lot because, uh, with gaming, uh, these huge casinos started to be erected and the goal of the casinos was, and frankly still is to keep people in casinos. To keep people, uh, betting money and, uh, buying things in casinos and not ever leaving the casinos, not knowing what time of day it is, frankly. So the fact that Atlantic City happened to be on the beach almost became less relevant because the goal was really not, you didn't go to a casino to go to the beach, um, you went to, you know, to gamble and stay inside the casino. That combined with Atlantic City's, you know, frankly, very long history of corruption and graft, and I don't think I'm offending anybody by saying this because this is very well known, but, uh, you know, financial mismanagement uh, on many levels, uh, municipal, private, uh, county level stuff, caused the city to really by the 90s, I think, fall into this category of what Las Vegas was as well, which is essentially just a casino destination with very little else to do outside of the casinos. And that economy essentially collapsed when in the early 2000s, other casinos started to open up that were within driving distance of Atlantic City, specifically in Pennsylvania. So in the early 2000s, and then dovetailing with the Great Recession in 07, the casino industry in Atlantic City really was hurt. Many casinos went out of business, were shuttered forever, demolished. Many speculative investments that had been made in Atlantic City, anticipating there would be new casino developments were you know lost forever. And we're, we're still seeing the effects of that today. The city, I think it always had a reputation outside of the casinos for being a little bit grimy, a little bit dangerous. And that certainly really continued after the casinos shuttered because there were now no jobs, very few jobs in the city whatever else. Since that time, there's been a little bit of a revival, I would say, in the casino scene. Some casinos have reopened now that the economy is better. Um, I think like Las Vegas, a lot of these casinos have moved towards not just gaming but entertainment as well, so offering kind of uh, other things to do besides gambling another
0: like. big boon recently has been the legalization of sports book or sports right. betting yeah, um, so a number of the casinos have invested pretty heavily in establishing uh, a sports book, which I think is both something that they can do in person but I think it also serves as operations for online sports betting yeah which yep. has certainly certainly taken off in the last few years
1: yeah so the casinos have improved, I would say. What has happened in the 20th century as well, and this started in the 80s, is there's an organization called the Casino Redevelopment Authority. Is it authority or agency? I think authority. Authority, yeah. Uh, CRDA, which is a government entity created by the state of New Jersey originally to reinvest taxes and other revenue generated by casinos in Atlantic City. It has sort of morphed into a quasi-governmental organization because part of the city has been taken over by the CRDA, um, more or less. And we'll get to that in a little bit. The city itself has gone uh, bankrupt or, you know, almost bankrupt, I think, several times. Now it is still under the control of the state and that the state has to approve budgets and laws and all manner of things in the city. I think so, even
0: as minute things as the agenda for a city council meeting. Yeah,
1: I think like even things like hiring and firing of city right. employees. And that's a reflection of the state's, uh, the city's, you know, mismanagement of its finances, uh, corruption. I think you know several of the past mayors of the city are in jail or have been indicted for campaign finance issues and bribery and uh, all sorts of manners of corruption. So that's kind of the context of Atlantic City. I think abstracting from that, you know, one layer is the fact that you have a city that is on the beach. It's on the Jersey Shore of New Jersey, and the Jersey Shore of New Jersey, um, as I've come to learn is a, uh, a very uh, attractive, nice place uh, for people to vacation over the John's summer. John's
0: being held at gunpoint, as he said. This.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the uh, the Jersey <laughs> Shore Association, <laughs> the Tourism Association. No, it, it's, um, you know, I grew up in, in Florida where there are lots of beaches, and uh, that's a big draw to there. And the Jersey Shore is, you know, not that much different. It's uh, a lot of shore towns that, you know, vary in quality and niceness. But Atlantic City is one of them, and just by virtue of its location, being on the Jersey Shore, on a beach, on the boardwalk, and in this specific case of Atlantic City, being off of a major highway, several major highways that intersect. Many Jersey Shore towns require you to go off of a highway and then drive like half an hour to a small location.
0: And they have a number of bus lines and train lines that have West already have existing service an in an the Airport
1: town. is there. There are a lot of kind of intrinsic factors of Jersey of uh, Atlantic City that make it uh, almost more desirable than many other Jersey Shore towns. However, because of all of that history uh, that I just described, you have a very unique and interesting uh, real estate market. And by interesting, I mean cheap. The real estate in Atlantic City, anywhere in Atlantic City, uh, it could be the nicest house in Atlantic City or a vacant uh, piece of land in Atlantic City is way underpriced, Uh, or or at least, I I shouldn't say the word underpriced, I should just say uh, price, at an amount a lot less than many of the surrounding towns, even Ventnor, which is the town directly next to it, Brigantine, Margate, these are the towns surrounding. Atlantic City that are also on the Jersey Shore are, uh, in some cases, two, three, four times as expensive for the same type of real estate as Atlantic City. So that alone, um, even if you don't know anything else about Atlantic City, creates an opportunity because you can think, well, what what is it about Atlantic City that would mean that the real estate is a fifth of the price of other cities that are uh, you know, five-minute drive away. That's kind of the compelling question, I think, that that led me to look more seriously into it once I had gotten my my toes wet. Beyond that, I
0: think there's certainly something to be said for the name recognition of the town. Anywhere you go, I mean, whether you're talking to somebody in New Jersey or, frankly, people from almost any part of the United States, most people will know of Atlantic City, for better or for worse. But... When you talk about it, and we'll get into this in more detail coming up, but when you talk about it from a tourism standpoint, the fact that it already has name recognition as a pace that people would be seeking out for a two or three or four day vacation over the summer, there's certainly inherent value in that as well.
1: Yeah. And and to touch on the tourism aspect that Ryan had mentioned, there is still and has always been a very bustling, strong tourism industry in Atlantic City. And, you know, a lot of that I think is driven by the casinos. People do go to Atlantic City to Go to the casinos and game and have fun. Um, I think a lot of that is driven by the beach. People go to relax at the beach and uh, take in the sun and do what you would do on a beach. So there's that pre-existing base of you have a city in New Jersey. uh, It's within driving distance of, you know, the two major metropolitan areas in this area, New York and Philadelphia. It's not only is it within driving distance, but it's very accessible by highways, buses, public transit, trains. And you have pre-existing sort of cultural things there. uh, And the name recognition, as Ryan said, that would draw people there. So there's still concerts, shows, good restaurants, um, all that sort of stuff. Excellent restaurants. Um, Frankly, all in the casinos or many in the casinos. But um, all these things that would draw people to the city kind of creates a very interesting environment when at the same time you can buy property in that city for a fraction of what you might expect anywhere else along the Jersey Shore and frankly, just geographically less desirable locations. So that I think brings us into what we see as the opportunity and why we're so interested in Atlantic City, which is uh, really right now centered along exploiting, um, I don't mean this in a negative way, but taking advantage of the fact that it is such a desirable uh, location to go as a tourist and so accessible. And luckily for Atlantic City, and I think luckily for us, Atlantic City's, you know, revival, which I, I think is is a thing and 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 uh, a real thing that you can see tangibly uh, since really the end of the recession has been in large part driven by the success of uh, short-term rental platforms and specifically by Airbnb. So um, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody who's aware of the industry to say that the Airbnb, you know, what Airbnb has done for tourism in places like Atlantic City has been really uh, game-changing. I mean, just totally revolutionary because it has created a whole new class of um of places that can be used for a purpose other than uh, as a long-term rental or as a uh, primary home residence. Essentially what we're doing and, and what Airbnb generally does is takes homes or apartments that might otherwise be occupied by a homeowner or by a long-term tenant and uses them as a quasi hotel. So people are staying at these places for anywhere between you know one night and a couple weeks or whatever it is, enjoying, in this case, Atlantic City, but getting a, a place that, in many times, is cheaper than what they might be able to find at a hotel, um, and I think in all cases, it is probably of a different quality that more appeals to larger groups, families, people that need to be, uh, for whatever reason, don't want to be in a casino hotel, which uh, is, has its own um, you know, pros and cons, I suppose. But when I think of a hotel, uh, a hotel room in a casino, I usually think of like very smoke-filled and kind of, um, you know, loud and not very relaxing. So the boom of short-term rental Airbnb stuff combined with uh, the revival, to some extent, of Atlantic City's larger casino uh, fortunes, I think, has created a really great investing opportunity.
0: Not to say it's gone off of that hitch. There's been, and John has really been instrumental in this, but there's been sort of an ongoing fight from a regulatory standpoint uh, about the city's decision to regulate this uh, more heavily than they have in the past. and. There's a whole sequence of things playing out there that John is probably more intimately familiar with than I am, uh, and that maybe we can save for a future episode. But I guess one other way that I think about the dynamic of short-term rentals in Atlantic City is that if you look across the country, specifically in, in the Rust Belt or in a lot of areas that have been, over the last few decades, more depressed from a housing market standpoint... Atlantic City has really been dealt a gift from the gods in Airbnb and these short-term rental platforms because what Atlantic City has, you know, previously it was in a place that was similar to a place like, say, Detroit. And one thing Detroit ended up doing was the city would, I think at their own expense or at taxpayer expense, they would go in and buy a lot of these vacant or dilapidated buildings or they would take them over through a tax lien foreclosure or eminent domain and they would just knock them down. And that was the end of that house. Atlantic city for a long time was in a very similar spot. And, and that's rather you have than, so
1: many vacant areas. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, I mean, there, there are plenty of areas of town where you go and there are a few houses sprinkled in, but it's almost full blocks that are just vacant land because these houses were demolished. But to save themselves from that, to save themselves of the, both the expense of demolishing these buildings, but also, having to decommission these properties from the city's tax roll, they now have a viable free market alternative where people will come in, invest private money. They will purchase these properties, renovate these properties, and frankly, renovate them to, I would say, a much nicer spec than what people who are just doing affordable rentals will do. They're also generally more conscious of curb appeal and landscaping, which has ancillary benefits to the neighborhoods. And all of this is done, not just not at the city's expense, but to their financial benefit, because they get a small portion of the revenue that comes in from these Airbnb and short-term rental fees.
1: And they have people that are coming to the city that are not going just to spend money in the casinos, but are going to spend money at, because they're not staying in the casinos, they're they're gonna spend money at the local businesses, uh, restaurants, you know, buy things at the grocery store, the convenience store, the pharmacy, go to the beaches, have a fun time outside of the confines of the casino which then itself helps businesses helps them to you know have landowners can charge more rent for those businesses they can charge higher property taxes all sorts of stuff so it has a lot of trickle-down benefits to the city and so
0: and there's no and there's no additional cost to or there's no additional strain on the school system for example because people who are coming in to rent for three nights aren't sending their kids to school
1: right exactly um, or it'd be very odd if they did To summarize kind of the investment opportunity that Ryan and I are describing and are taking advantage of right now, is you have this location on the Jersey Shore, a very desirable geographic location within driving distance of these two huge metropolitan areas, New York and Philadelphia. You have great infrastructure getting there already, public transit and highways. You have already a tourist destination because of its name. Because of the casinos, because of the beach, because of all the things that you can still do in Atlantic City, even notwithstanding the short-term rentals, and that plus the fact that you have real estate which is extremely undervalued relative to all the other cities around it. So the the exciting thing about investing in Atlantic City is that you can look at it from two different lenses, right? You can look at it from the pr- perspective of I only care about cash flow, right? I only care about making money, and if that's your concern right now, you know, in the short term, then Atlantic City is great, because you can go in and you can buy properties. And, and, you know, in fact, I think we should get into this in a little bit about some of the specific deals that we've done. But you can buy properties for really nothing. I mean, truly, truly a little bit, a uh, small amount of money, renovate them, and then rent them out for, I've told these numbers to some people, we'll get into them shortly, but, you know, obscene amounts of money, and uh, enjoy very strong, great cash flow. Obviously, there's some work to be done in terms of management and cleaning and, uh, operational overhead and whatever else it's, you know, more furnishing of and- furnishing. Yeah. It's more of a small business than a, it is a real estate investment. But, you know, notwithstanding that it's one that you can still do from afar and we do it from, uh, you know, two hours away. That's one thesis for the investment. The other thesis for the investment is if you're actually bullish on the, his, the, the, the outlook of Atlantic city, and we'll get into some of those reasons why Ryan and I are independently, you can really be part of the the ground floor of changing a city. You know, people always look back on revitalizations of different areas and think, oh, what what would it have been like to invest in that area before it got started? Right. Like what would it have been to invest in Hoboken in 1985? Would it have been to invest in uh, you know, downtown Manhattan in uh 1960 or something? Uh, you know, what like how how much money could I could have, you know, what would it have been like to invest in Silicon Valley in, you know, nineteen sixty-five? All these things. You look back and say, "Well, if only you knew, right? If only I knew that Hoboken in 2020 was going to be one of the most desirable areas in New Jersey, when in 1990 it was one of the most crime-filled, uh, invested areas. Well, I could have made so much money." I mean, if you believe in the the, the vision of Atlantic City, and we'll, we'll talk about it shortly, it's really an opportunity to say, "Well, I got on the ground floor of this investment, and I, I made the city better." And yeah, not only did I make a ton of money by you know, doing these short-term rentals and, and enjoying great cash flow. But maybe in 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, who knows what a period of time the city might actually be a lot nicer. And my actual investment might actually be worth a lot more than what I paid for it. So not only am I getting this cash flow, I'm getting the benefit of, of appreciation. And even if you don't believe that thesis, well, you can still enjoy the cash flow, right? So it, it, it's a great investment, um, I think, for for really any any investor thesis. That's why we're so excited about it because it's like, well, it, it's really hard to see how we're going to lose pretty badly here unless there's some ma- major macroeconomic factors that are probably going to tank the you know the real estate market nationally, which of course we did, we've already seen in our lifetimes, but um, is that an accurate summary of the the opportunity, Ryan? I I don't want to overstate it.
0: You actually, you actually touched on something there that really resonates with me actually, and it's the sort of the soft side of investing. When I think about the opportunity that we're looking at in Atlantic City, it actually brings me back to the reasons why I wanted to get into real estate investing and real estate development to begin with. I take a lot of joy in seeing the transformation of an area and obviously there are many factors at play. There are winners and losers to gentrification or revitalization and certainly not completely ignorant to the costs of that. But I think on net, what we are seeing and what we are, I guess, forecasting as the next wave in Atlantic city is on net, very strong and very much needed in that area. And when I contrast that with what we're doing in or what we have been doing in some other markets we've been invested in, like in North Jersey, we're generally investing in areas that have dozens and dozens and hundreds, in some cases, hundreds of investors doing the exact same things as we are. And oftentimes just looking to eke out whatever profit they can and not really having any sort of connection to the place where they are investing. So... It's a long way of saying, I believe in the economic and financial opportunity of investing in Atlantic City. I also appreciate that it can bring me and I think John too some fulfillment to to believe or in believing that what we're doing is actually a benefit to the city, and you know, the dollars that we're putting in here actually matter.
1: I think that's a great point. and i I think to touch on that, So I want to talk about the, you know, the vision of Atlantic City beyond just doing short-term rentals. And I think it's a very strong, a strong vision. And it might be, if you're listening to this, you think, oh, well, John and Ryan are just these two people talking about it kind of like in the woods and nobody else is doing anything about it. That's not true at all. There there are many investors in Atlantic City that have the same vision for Atlantic City that we do. The true pioneers. The true pioneers, absolutely. And uh, we don't have to necessarily name names, but, um, you know, there, there are people in Atlantic City right now that have been there before us that are very bullish about the city, not just for short-term rentals, but as the city is an actual destination for people to live, for families, for people to just enjoy being in Atlantic City that have invested their own money. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars in parts of the city. There's an area called the Orange Loop, which is on Tennessee Avenue, um, right by the ocean.
0: Named for the orange pieces on the Monopoly board. On the Monopoly board, Tennessee, yeah. New York, and St. James for those Monopoly fans out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the orange, it was like the best, uh, like the best three properties statistically or something like uh, that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think if you look at the win probability of yeah. monopoly, um, I can't believe we're talking about this on a podcast, <laughs> but I think those are, if you're really big on monopoly strategy, I think those are Check amongst the three, yeah, <laughs> those are amongst the three most valuable pieces you can have on the board. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think like the, the dollar per expected per role. Yeah, for real, yeah there's been a
0: monopoly sabermetrics <laughs> <laughs> there's
1: there's been a uh, a lot of investment in that area just recently i mean really we're talking the past couple of years so 3 4 years ago this wasn't there now there are several new restaurants
0: i think the the impetus for this was actually i think a 2015 or 2016 i believe it was the rutgers school of urban planning or something like that did a study highlighting this specific area as ripe for redevelopment. Right.
1: And it's, it's in an area. So we talked about the CRDA, um, that's the Casino Redevelopment Authority or agency. There's a part of the city called the tourism district and that um, happens to dovetail with an opportunity zone. That's another benefit that we'll get into uh, shortly as to why it's a great investment there. But um, it's the part of Atlantic city that borders the ocean essentially more or less running the entire length of atlantic city so atlantic city is kind of a a narrow city um, on an island and all of the part of atlantic city that borders the ocean is under the zoning authority of the crda and um, that in itself lends different benefits maybe some detriments but benefits in that the i think one of the biggest benefits let me just summarize it is that the lawmaking there is very consistent because it's controlled by the state, the state really has one goal, which is to get people to be tourists in the tourism district. The state is not, you know, necessarily concerned, nor does it have to be concerned with, you know, schools or other things that might be appropriate for people living there because it's the tourism district and people don't live generally there. It's mostly the casinos and vacant land. That's the tourism district right now. So it's a great area to, to do redevelopment in for commercial stuff, which is what the Orange Loop is, because not only is the state through the CRDA interested in working with uh, people that want to make stuff more desirable for tourists, you have the certainty that laws aren't going to change uh, more or less because it's the state. And to, to I think to change a CRDA type law would be an act of state legislation, which is way more difficult than a local legislation. You also have this, the money of the state behind the area. So Atlantic city, you know, is still not a particularly wealthy area relatively, but the state itself is a very wealthy state um, and obviously has a lot of money that they're willing and interested in devoting to this project. So you have all these, uh, you know, factors kind of promoting Atlantic city. This is all, you know, not relevant to short term rentals at all. All these factors that are promoting the vision of Atlantic city for the future. And and
0: And one thing it actually lacks, which I, View as a benefit too is the fact that the composition of most of this area of town is vacant land, parking lots and casinos you don't have you're not dealing with the displacement of significant populations right. which you know makes any type of redevelopment significantly yeah. more attainable.
1: Very true. The vision of Atlantic City is to fill in, I think starting in the tourism district, that's my vision at least, to fill in a lot of these areas with new development or substantial redevelopment for what's already there. So we, you know, without kind of like spilling the beans on some of the projects that are coming up, Ryan and I are very privy and our investors are soon to be investors in a lot of these projects that are going to usher in massive new developments by massive, I mean, you know, city block level developments separate from the casinos, that are going to be residential, commercial, entertainment-based, that are really going to drive, I think, the Atlantic City of the 21st century, which is is a place for tourists, uh, for people to have fun, but importantly, for people to have cultural fun, tourism experiences outside of the casinos. I think the vision for Atlantic City that I have, that all these other developers have and, and uh, uh, advocates for the city has, is that we want, you know, we, we the casinos are great. They, uh, in, in a sense, they bring people there, they generate some money, they put Atlantic City on the map, if you will. But the future of Atlantic City is not in more casinos. I don't think there are gonna be any more casinos built in Atlantic City anytime soon, maybe ever. It's in all these other developments that are happening outside of the casinos. And that's what we wanna promote that's what's really happening right now with these, uh, the orange loop, I think is the best example of really ground up boots in the ground, people investing their own money to do it. And we have now investors coming in from Asbury park, which I think is another story of a city that was kind of down in its luck that has now turned into a very wealthy or, you know, relatively wealthy, um, relatively luxurious, desirable location when 30 years ago, nobody wanted to go there. So, now withstanding all the stuff we just said about short-term rentals, that is kind of the vision of Atlantic city. And if you buy into that vision and, uh, it doesn't take long to buy into it because you, you can go down there and, and just see, you know, boots in the ground. You can see what's happening. You can talk to people in the city. I mean, Ryan and I have been continually amazed at the number of organizations that exist in Atlantic city that are there to help Atlantic city, to promote new investment, to welcome in investors, to welcome in new projects that are filling in some of these vacant areas. The willingness of the city and the CRDA to work with people, the willingness of them to highlight investment opportunities, the excited, you know, the, the, the feeling of excitement that you get when you're working with the city. It's unlike anything that we've experienced in Northern New Jersey. And we certainly know that Northern New Jersey, certain areas of Northern New Jersey, definitely desperately need new development, but it's night and day. And
0: so, and, and to speak to the viability of all of this, I think it's, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the fantasy of this. And I think there are plenty of areas, plenty of communities that have been promised a lot by new development coming in. I think one thing that makes this a little bit more viable is that we're not talking about some mega super like highly planned development taking place that's going to cost, you know, a billion dollars over 10 years to facilitate the type of change that we're talking about. What we're talking about is stuff that is actively happening and it's happening at sort of like on the ground at the lowest levels. And I don't mean that to say lowest in in terms of significance, but I mean lowest in terms of the fact that we're talking about, you know, single family houses, two family houses being renovated left and right in these areas. And that type of thing is the sort of catalyst for change that a lot of times is necessary to make the larger stuff more viable. So I think for me, I I'd, I'd much rather benefit or I'd much rather place a bet on an area where there are smaller things happening but they are happening as opposed to banking on an area that i think is going to happen be, or i think is going to change because there's going to be another 500 million dollar casino built in the next five or ten years
1: exactly and and i think that 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 thesis that you just described has already been borne out because right. really you know ryan and i we're we're not the pioneers here it's, it's other people that have really started this process and brought inspired people like us to come in and we've inspired other people to come in ourselves too. It's already happening, right? That snowball effect is already happening a little bit because just because we, we, we saw the orange loop, right? And that got us excited about investing near the orange loop. If the orange loop wasn't there, I don't know if we would have started it because we wouldn't have had the wherewithal or the the finances or the vision to do it. But now that it's already there, we can expand on that vision and say, well, you know, how about not just Tennessee Avenue? How about the street next to it? Right. Uh, yeah, which is where we're buying, um, two streets next to it, which is where, somewhere else where we're buying.
0: One way to frame it is, I think, a baseball analogy, which is there have been a number of singles and a number of doubles that have already been hit, and we're happy to come in here and continue hitting singles and doubles and playing some small ball. We don't need to be... We don't need... We're not banking on someone to come up and and swing for the fences and hit a home run or a grand slam. Small ball can win, especially over time.
1: I, I was so certain that you were going to say, if you build it, they will come. And I was like, "Well,
0: I mean, kind of, you know." <laughs> no, um, <but. laughs> uh, one other thing. One other thing I'd like to point out here is in speaking about the current composition of the neighborhood, I think it's it's really a beautiful thing that we're we're talking about an area that, in a lot of ways, is a blank slate. Both because we're talking about truly vacant land, where you know it, it's about as blank of a slate as it gets in real estate, but also the fact that we can kind of talk about designing an area or talk about an area developing that is built for the tastes of consumers today and built to the tastes of travelers today. And that can also happen in concert with building an area that's attractive for people to live in year round. You know, whether that means certain blocks become more of a destination for short-term rentals and that, you know, those aren't, those people aren't stepping on the toes of people who might want to live there year round, or you just have people sharing the same amenities like bars and restaurants and coffee shops that are attractive, whether you're there for three days or three years. I think that that's pretty rare in today's day and age. And uh, the fact that this land is affordable makes all of these things a little bit more viable.
1: Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of the specific projects that we're doing just to give uh, everybody a sense of kind of the numbers that we're talking about? Because I think it's all well and good to talk about the vision and all that. But uh, I know when I talk to people about Atlantic City, they they get most excited because I think it's most tangible about some of the the like brass, you know, the, the brass tax, like the actual real numbers. And they're, they're remarkable. So, I mean, I, I think, I think the, Although the,
0: the, the taxes themselves are not that exciting. Na- yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the brass taxes, tax is fine. The, the, taxes, the tax itself is not. Yeah,
1: ta- so we're still in New Jersey. So just to be clear. Why don't we talk about uh, our our project on uh, New Hampshire? So I think that that's like one of the coolest ones, I think. I think it's the coolest real estate project I've ever been involved in personally.
0: This is the one that whenever I tell people about Atlantic City and I sort of like state the salient facts about this deal, everyone's mind is just blown. Yeah. So this is a property specifically in the inlet section of town, which is a subsection of the tourism district.
1: So that's the northernmost tip of Atlantic City, essentially. We're like right on the 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 horn, if you will, of Atlantic City. Yeah,
0: it, face, it faces out towards both the ocean and to the north Brigantine, uh, which is its own island and another pretty attractive beach town. So this property we purchased, it's been over a year at this point, probably been about a year and a half. We purchased it for $150,000. It was listed on the market. There was a, an older gentleman who was selling it. I think he had already moved out of the country or was on his way out. And the house needed a ton of work. It was sort of a... He'd been there since the 70s, I think maybe in the 60s. Yeah, there, and yeah. I think even before that, it was in—it was within his family. So there's a lot of history to this house. Without going into the super nitty-gritty details of how the deal commenced or how the deal came together, the facts are it's a 3,000-plus square-foot house about thirty seconds from the beach, like truly thirty steps from the beach, we're separated by we're separated from the ramp to get onto the beach and the boardwalk by one house. We paid one hundred fifty thousand dollars for it. It's three stories plus a finished basement. The finished basement will not be allowed to be finished when we're done with it because it's located in a flood zone. So, in terms of usability, we have three stories uh, that comprise about three thousand square feet. When it's all said and done, we're going to have seven bedrooms, four and a half baths, even from the first floor of the building, because it's a little bit elevated. You have ocean views and they only get better as you go up to the second and third floor. And panoramic ocean views in the, right. on the top
1: floor in particular.
0: Right. And another, another benefit of being in sort of a part of town that has been, uh, that's seen a lot of its housing stock go by the wayside. We're surrounded by a lot of vacant land, so the views are even more beautiful because there's nothing between us and the water from a lot of vantage points, so we're doing a significant renovation here. it's probably gonna be in the order of close to three hundred thousand dollars when it's all said and done, but we feel pretty confident in our revenue projections here. We more than anything I think just believe that no matter how you look at it, this is an underpriced asset uh at some point in time, even if it's just for our own use, we're gonna love having this property as a place to go with our families it's a place to, to congregate with our friends and to share the opportunity to ex- experience Atlantic City with everyone who stays there for the next 5 10 20 years.
1: Yeah, but the, the, the raw numbers are that, you know, I think on a revenue basis I, I think that us making as much as 150k per year is yeah. not totally insane. I didn't I mean, want
0: to I didn't want to put that in writing, but yeah. I, well, I mean I think that, our I think our sort of like conservative estimates are between 100 and 110, but I think that we certainly have data to support a projection closer to $150,000 a year. I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be one of the premier rental properties in all of Atlantic City.
1: Yeah, in the whole city. I mean, and and I think that location-wise, finish-wise, everything else. So just like, you know, if you're a real estate investor and you're thinking about these numbers, just consider that bought a property for $150,000 that is 30 seconds away from the beach. I mean, it's literally a matter of feet away from the beach that we're putting... About three hundred thousand dollars into somewhere between two fifty and three hundred thousand, so we're going to be all in. You know, four fifty, obviously plus carrying costs, whatever. Say half a million dollars in that property, we're going to be able to gross as much as one hundred fifty thousand dollars per year just from that one property alone. Which I think, however you want to cut it, is a fantastic number. I mean, I it's just it's just an outrageous number given the revenue, given everything else about it. And yes, you know, certainly there are some risks, right? It's it's next to the ocean. So if uh, another hurricane comes, that's bad. Uh, obviously, this house has survived itself a number of hurricanes, including Superstorm Sandy. But, you know, we... And got, somehow uh,
0: when we bought it, despite having gone through Superstorm Sandy, it still had a 40-year-old boiler sitting in, in the ground floor.
1: below ground. And functioning. And functioning, <laughs> yeah. There are some risks, obviously. There are some risks in the fact that, you know, it's reliant on tourism and, you know, uh, if things go badly with tourism, that would be bad for this house. But uh, if, if you look at the raw numbers, I think, you can get a sense of how even if you're totally focused only on short-term uh, gains on cash flow, not even thinking about anything else, appreciation, um, the soft stuff that Ryan was highlighting about the revival of the city the vision of the city, whatever, ignoring all that, just looking at the raw numbers, I mean, it's a great investment. It's, It's a really great investment. There are expenses too. I'm talking about gross numbers, right? So you know your cleaning expenses and utilities and maintenance, and whatever else taxes is going to be high, taxes. Yeah. It's going to you know cut into your your revenue a fair amount. But however you cut it, it's a lot of money to be made. I mean, I, I can't really think of any other investment. You know, we we, we buy a house for five hundred thousand um, uh, dollars in northern New Jersey. I mean, you can buy uh, on the MLS. You can go to uh, Union City. You can buy a two family for five hundred thousand dollars. I guarantee you it's not grossing anywhere close to $150,000 per year. I mean, not even not even the ballpark.
0: One thing I want to point out, too, is the the uniqueness of the asset itself. That's something that John and I have been focusing increasingly on and just sort of lucked into it with this one. But there's only so much land, period. There's only so much land within a few miles of the Atlantic Ocean. There's And there's certainly only so much land within steps of the Atlantic Ocean. So... When you just look at the size, the proximity to the ocean, uh, and take away all those other factors, I, I think it's just the the inhe- inherent value of this property just fits our our investing thesis to a T.
1: You found the diamond in the rough. How did you find this one property? I mean, this is literally listed on the MLS. I mean, literally, you could just open up the MLS and find this property. we it.
0: Yeah, this might've been the last property we bought on the MLS.
1: Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, literally, well, we bought um, Murray on the MLS
0: which An- is another, another home run, <laughs> another
1: home run. I mean, but that, that, that's why I brought this up. It's not like we just, you know, we had some super secret uh, acquisition methodology to find this property. We've been working this deal for like 10 years to get it done. I mean, we literally opened the MLS and bought this property. And there are many properties, maybe not exactly like what Ryan just described, but there are many properties that fit this general type of thing in Atlantic City that you can buy. And we're trying to buy many of them right now um, and and continue that same strategy with them, as well as doing other uh, opportunities that are beyond short-term rentals.
0: I don't wanna to deviate too much from talking about the, the specific deals, but I think one other benefit to Atlantic City that, or to our investing thesis for Atlantic City that we didn't touch on earlier is the idea of clustering. Mm-hmm. So now that we have this one in this specific part of town, we're looking for more immediately in proximity to this one because not only does it bring to the service some sort of operational efficiencies when it comes to maintenance and management and cleaning, but it's also going to be a boon to our existing assets strictly from a number standpoint if we go even if we go and overpay for something right around the corner you know maybe we're not going to find a turnkey property within a stone's throw of this place that we're going to buy for $750,000 retail that's going to be a good short-term rental investment but every dollar that we spend spend in this area is going to benefit us in one way or another it's either going to make the area more desirable it's going to set a comp for a future sale. It's going to set a comp for a future refinance and it'll just give us more clout in the neighborhood.
1: And I think a cool thing to think about too, going to your point, Ryan, about the soft stuff is I, I think it's really awesome that for really not a lot of money, relatively not a lot of money, you can have, we can have a very substantial impact on this area. Like if we were, you know, the, the you know, we're investing the total amount of assets that we have in Atlantic city is now in, you know, in the millions. And I think that we're, we're going to have, you know, more than that soon with our investments that we're making, this is all not necessarily cash. This is, um, you know, leverage stuff, but, um, for that amount of money, you know, we are one of the bigger investors in Atlantic city in this asset class. And our investment is having a really tangible impact on the city, particularly some of the other things that we've been doing, like advocacy for some short-term rental stuff and um, and just getting to know and networking with people about the city. But, you know, I, I can't really think of any other city anywhere on the eastern seaboard, really, where you can go and say, yeah, I'm going to have a million dollars and invest into it. And that's going to have a big, big impact in the city. Like, I mean, w- what a joke would it be to invest a million dollars in Manhattan? I mean, you couldn't even buy a co-op for a million dollars, more or less, right?
0: For For context, we just accepted an offer in North Jersey for a single-family house in Jersey City for a shade over $1.5 million. And that property sits on a lot that is 15 feet by 95 feet deep. Uh, In Atlantic City, I mean, that $1.5 million would truly buy us an entire Uh, city city block. block.
1: You could buy a city block for that. And not only could you buy it, you could probably build something on it too.
0: (laughs) With a tax abatement.
1: This is maybe deserving of another episode too where we get into a little bit more about... um, some of the short-term stuff that we're doing there, some of the the pros and cons. I think it's important to talk about uh, all sides of it. But, um, yeah, maybe
0: just for illustrative purposes, we can also talk about something on the other end of the spectrum yeah. For in terms of size. So the property in the inlet that we just talked about is sort of the crown jewel of our portfolio, or will be once it's all said and done. There have been plenty of other properties that we've bought too that have been more in sticking with the baseball metaphors of more like singles. And a few of those, or one of those we got online just before July 4th last summer. And it's been doing, I think it's exceeded even our wildest expectations since that time. John's had a property that he bought in Atlantic City years ago with the partner that he mentioned earlier that has been doing similarly well. And the way that I frame the sort of the question that I get often about Atlantic City investing, you know, when people say, is this going to be a good investment, or is buying something like this a good investment? I have a hard time finding, not everything is going to be a a good deal, but for the things that I think most investors would screen and qualify as a deal, I have a hard time seeing stuff that is not going to show you a very attractive rate of return on these things in Atlantic City, I think the question really becomes, are the absolute dollars that you're going to make on this investment going to be worth your time? Mm -hmm. So you could see a 15% cash on cash return on a deal in Atlantic City without that much searching, but that 15% return when it's all said and done might be a 15% return on $25,000 after a little bit of a renovation, after obviously buying a place, maybe doing financing on both sides. So there's there's a lot of time and a lot of effort that's going into generating that 15% return. And if you're talking about a 15% return on $30,000, that's $4,500 a year or a little under $400 a month. So I think it's incredibly important to ask yourself what it is that you're chasing. If If all you want is to see the highest possible rate of return, then this might be a great place for you. But if you're if you're coming in and you know you have $2 million and you want to put it into something that's going to not be a full-time endeavor for you, you might be better off putting it into a few deals with other people who are willing to do that work or looking for somewhere where the asset class that you'd be putting your money into is going to be a more effective use of your time.
1: That's a great point. And I think that that uh, is why a lot of our investors have been, you know, passive investors because they want to get exposure to this either, you know, isn't like a a JV format or through the fund, but they don't have time necessarily to actively manage it. And so we definitely have that conversation a lot. I think I've had the conversation a lot with people about wanting to be involved in real estate, but not having the acumen or the desire or whatever to, to be hands-on about it.
0: I guess we can also put some numbers to this other side of the coin. So the, the, uh, the deal that John was originally talking through the, the larger one, that one, when it's all said and done, we'll probably be into it for about four fifty. We're expecting to bring in maybe somewhere in the 125 to 150 a year in gross rents. We won't go too deep into the numbers on that. But for comparison's sake, the one that we brought online last summer, uh, we bought that one for I think $35,000 or yeah. something in that, in that vicinity. We put about 80. F- Just to put, can you imagine
1: buying a single family home that you don't have to tear down, that's connected <laughs> to public utilities, that there's a public school system and a police department and all that, on the Jersey Shore. I mean, literally, it's uh, what a 10-minute walk to the beach. Uh, and very close to the bay. Very close to the bay for $35,000. Again, on the MLS. We didn't <laughs> do any
0: weird searching. It's on the MLS. So we paid $35,000 for it. I think we put in somewhere between eighty dollars and $85,000 in renovations, which consisted of gutting the place. Or actually, I think it was already mostly demoed. Uh, we did a little bit of demo. We reframed it. We hired an architect to put plans together. We did all new plumbing, all new electrical. We put in an entirely new HVAC system, which included central air. Renovated all the bathrooms, two bathrooms, a full kitchen with you know quartz countertops, stainless steel appliances. Put in new vinyl plank flooring, sheetrock, painting, trim, doors, all of that. So we bought it for thirty-five. Call it eighty-five for the renovation. So that brings us to a hard costs of about $120,000. I think we ultimately appraised at 175 and we were able to refinance out essentially everything that we had put into it. Plus I think what we got back more or less covered what our closing costs were and our holding costs were. I think we were very close. So we're yeah, yeah we we have a nominal amount of equity left or of cash left in the deal. And now we don't have quite uh, we don't have a full year of operating history, but based on our current projections, I think we're expecting to generate in the fifty-five to sixty thousand dollars a year in gross revenue, and I think the NOI on that will be probably in the eighteen. 000? No, I think even higher than that. Yeah, I mean it's well into the double digits. Yeah, if you were to look at the cap rate of this, it, it's certainly in the teens. Um, We now have a long-term. Mortgage on the property, we were able to refinance out. I think our mortgage payments, eight hundred eighty dollars a month or something like that, including Uh, taxes. Including taxes. So when I tell you our NOI, I mean this is inclusive of a pretty healthy management fee that's consistent with what you would pay to a short-term rental manager or vacation rental manager, which in this case is ourselves. But you can find others out there. We're still looking at a double-digit NOI, and we're still looking at, I would say, probably eighteen thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars a year in Net cash flow on essentially no money left uh, in the deal, so it's almost like an infinite rate of return. Having said that, as I said before, there was certainly a lot of time and effort that went into getting us to this point, and for a year, a year's worth of work, is that enough money to get you to to get you out of bed and to want to do that over and over and over when there are bigger deals and potentially better opportunities out there that are maybe a more uh, efficient use of your time, that's a question for you, but, uh, at least as a starting point, it's been, or you uh, can find
1: us and we can do it for you.
0: <laughs> right. That certainly has been a great way to wet my beak on Atlantic city, so to speak.
1: I would love to go into this uh, a little bit more detail about maybe some of the short-term rental stuff is applied to Atlantic city specifically. I think there'd be an interesting topic to talk about how we operated, the legal ramifications that uh, you alluded to before, Ryan, that are going in the city, uh, the, the pros and the cons, all of that, I think we've become um, really experts uh, in this particular field. Um,
0: Should we get our favorite councilman to join us?
1: <laughs> oh, no, we'll skip that. <laughs> um, but uh, actually there, there are several, now that you mentioned that there are a couple, a couple of options. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we could, arrange I have one a, in
0: particular, but I certainly do not <laughs> do not want him on here.
1: I have two. Uh, the, the one that I would really want would be a great guest. <laughs> but uh, if we can arrange that, I mean, let's make it happen. <laughs> Ryan is just gesticulating wildly, um, which <laughs> as is, this, uh, <laughs> guest this guest or guest not will guest never would. <laughs> appear on this uh, podcast would say. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's it for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, if you have any questions about uh, Atlantic City, I love talking about it. I know Ryan loves talking about it. You can find our contact information likely in the description of this episode, depending on on what uh, podcast service you're listening to. But if you can't find that, you can email us directly. My email is john, J-O-H-N, at libertyhudson.com. And Ryan is ryan at libertyhudson.com. And until next time, I'm John Errico. Thank you so much for listening.
0: And I'm Ryan Gofarb. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to visit us at BrickXBrickRealEstate.com for free content to help you along your real estate journey and to follow along on our projects. Subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast app and engage with us online via Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and BrickXBrickRealEstate.com. See you next time on the Brick by Brick Podcast.